0: Welcome to System Mastery, the critically acclaimed podcast as far as you know. I'm Jeff, and each week my co-host John and I dive deep, deep into the bowels of the American nerd to find crazy RPGs and undigested Cheetos and bring them both to you. This week we bring you Ravenstar, a book where you can play as a human or a humanish bear, and either way, you can join the Cybe Squad and get your Cybe on. Find out way, way more than that on today's System Mastery. Reminds me of Second Life. Anyway, that whole art section in the back. Oh yeah, no, the 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 3D section that is very much, I found like a 1994 version of Poser. Well, this is from 1995, so if he found a one-year-old copy of Poser, that would have oh, been... Oh, that'd be fucking cutting edge. Very impressive for him, yeah. yeah. Uh, before the new license was even available. But yeah, the, the whole section back there is like hard calculated to turn you off from understanding what his world is supposed to look like. It's like the whole concept of this book is oh it's a grim and gritty planet where you live in New Chicago and you have to deal with the other races and fight the mafia and no, fight it's, over. Resources. It's very much like I'm I'm going for like a like a Western gangster cyber punk it's kinda like, yeah, it's kinda like gritty space shadow punk or shadow run. But then you look at these three D images in the back and it's like, What do you got? Uh Oh, a a mage casts a light spell, and it's a woman from Reboot holding her har- arms over her head as she stands majestically atop a featureless pink rectangle. It honestly just looks like he made all of the people out of balloon animals. Yeah, I mean most of these are down to like a polygon every couple of inches. It's it's uh it's great. They're just big smooth blobs. It's ridiculous, and some of them are very obviously pulled from something else, like the one he has of the of the eye that's supposed to show how cyber implantation works. You know he got that from a cover of like a 1990 copy of Heavy Metal. Huh. Huh. The whole thing is just ridiculous. I, I, it's funny because this is the only section of the book that has any art that looks anything like this. The rest, yeah. of, the, the rest of the art is like, what did I call it earlier? Toms of Planet Finland. <laughs> it is the very gayest of art that isn't overtly that way. You're just like, if you go through enough of the pictures, you're like, this, this, you're really obsessed with like, dudes with their shirts open and kind of thrusting their packages there's towards a, the viewer. There's a lot of unbuckled belts in this book. Yeah. There's not a lot of dong flapping about this no, way. No, no, it's very subtle. No, it's the beginning. It's it's an invitation. No, it's it's when he, you you'd have that guy, especially the uh the main bear guy, yeah, who's that, just like, portia. "Hey, looks like you caught me when I was trying to get ready. Looks like I've got my pants already kind of off. Maybe I should go the rest of the way." Hey, man, I was going to rest for a little while before we got started maybe i can rest with you that yeah. guy that guy who i've affectionately dubbed captain beef dip oh yeah captain beef dip the bear man yeah. is probably the best character ever he's certainly a wonderful bear and we will recreate him later in the in the character creation section of this <laughs> so that's going to be me we'll have to pick someone for you while we do this yeah yeah but but i look forward to he's a corcha. a, a, a corcha is his species and his name is captain beef dip Oh Captain Beef Dip. Captain B- Beef Dip has been, been been to more than 3 pool parties at Point of <laughs> That's what he is. Uh but uh yeah, okay, so he's a corcha and uh let's let's get but, out of the art and start talking about what we're looking at here. This it, is a copy of Ravenstar. And it's the second edition, so you know it's better than the first edition. Judge your enemies by their will to survive. Which actually just it just sounds like something someone would say right as you're playing a fighting game. Oh you're yeah. Like, I picked Ryu, and then we went to the start Screen and it was like, Judge your enemies by their will to survive. The black barn is filling up. With fight like Al Jolson. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, it absolutely is that. It's definitely one of the or or uh something he'd say after he's won. Go home and be a family man. Judge your enemies by their will to survive, says Sagat. Yeah. That sounds perfect. You're yeah, no, right. no, that's 100% a fighting game thing. Yeah, okay. And uh, Raven Star is a book that's set on a planet called Raven Star that is re- really far away but not in a useful capacity because I don't think Earth is a big deal in this game anymore. No, we've we've gotten to the point where are like, all right, we're exploring the stars. We uh, have somehow found magic uh i think probably because we found elves well i, I think i found magic on Ravenstar they that was a point in the in the intro they were like oh we found some runes underground and then people learn the rune, use the runes to discover magic and now there's a college of magic except it says that and then it goes on when it's describing the the different races to be like elves have always used magic and you're like okay then all right so the basic premise of this game is that it's Cyberpunk, kinda cowboyish, near future, but far future, on a distant planet, settlers type thing. And the races are the l- least inspired races I've seen in a while. Like, it's definitely a heartbreaker. It's a space heartbreaker. Yeah. The races, and here we go, I'll go through all, all five of them right now. Humans, elves, dwarves, cat guys, which I believe are called Assad, or assads. Yeah, assads. Assads. And corchas, which are the bears. And, uh, before you think, oh, it's super furry, the game, just cause it's got cats and bears in it, don't worry too much, cause this is a little before the modern fury, or furry. It's, not before my modern fury, my modern fury <laughs> is enormous. Uh, but no, hey it's, it's a little before the modern furry, so they, they look less berry and catty than you would expect them to. No, it, well, I mean, it definitely looks like a big human with animal features rather than a big animal. Yes, no mascot eyes in this. No, I mean, it's it's going to be closer to your cat girl than an actual giant cat. Absolutely. and uh, Yeah, so uh, they do at least have some uh, ability to get why there's elves and dwarves, which I appreciate. So, uh, elves come from a lower gravity world, so they're taller and lankier, which... Would happen to humans if we were on a lower-gravity world. Sure. And the dwarves are a higher-gravity world, so they're more dense, they're shorter, they're stockier, and pretty strong, which, again, would happen. They have big ape arms. Their arms, like, extend past their knees. It's one of the only things about them that looks different from a fantasy dwarf is that they have big, long arms. Yeah, the The one problem is, of course, that while we would probably be, like, taller and lankier on a lower-grav world, we wouldn't have pointy ears... Or no magic. I mean, it's just elves. They, they just they just put elves in their game, and then they were like, well, we're going to have to justify elves. It looks like reverse engineering and not, not oh, yeah. organic no, it, engineering. It's definitely one of those things where they're like, well, we're doing a space fantasy thing. We kind of want to be rifts, but let's not do that. Instead, we'll be actual aliens instead of just shit on Earth. I felt like it, it was kind of like D&D with a ladle of 40k poured, poured over it. <laughs> Mm, hot piping 40k. Yeah, they just got a little dip of that 40k. It just, just drooled it onto the book, onto their D&D game. And it turned, it turned some of the races into animals. And they were like, yeah, good enough. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, uh, you can tell the system-wise, uh, and stat-wise and everything, it is very much D&D again. Yeah, it would have to be second edition D&D because it predates third edition by, by ways. Oh, yeah. Which is why magic in this isn't crazy. Because it's from old school versions of Magic, where Magic was very... It's boring. Boring and simple, and didn't do everything you ever wanted it to. This book has a lot of shadow run in it, too, in terms of the way that they have to balance the Magic points versus the Cybernetics points, and you can only have so much of one without it throwing off your ability to have the other one. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into the stats here, because this book's got a lot of them. Yep. So and you're gonna, you're gonna start the game. You're going to get a, uh, a point buy for what you're doing with your stuff. And the point buy is where the random element comes in because you get a random number of starting points. Yep. So even though it, they went the point buy route, they couldn't just let every character be balanced against each other. You had to get a random amount of points to buy with. That's correct. And I don't remember the exact, uh, the, the exact role for that, but it generates uh, about a hundred points give or take well you get uh it's like 20 d6 which you roll for added on to 40 so you can get anywhere or from 20 like, to 120 uh from uh, 60 or, to 120 there you go from 60 to 120 points and uh you're gonna spread those out amongst the following attributes strength int intel intellect or Intelligence. In- intelligence one of those it's it includes all of the classic d d stats you've got strength dex con intelligence will and charisma so you have all of your basic stats oh yeah and then, then they just added agility and appearance because they wanted to make appearance separate from your charisma and they did the dexterity slash agility thing so that one of them can be for ranged weapons and like jumping or or not what ranged weapons and the other one's for like jumping and and swinging a sword yeah and then yeah they added appearance because this game was clearly from someone who played a lot of second edition Where people were always trying to add comeliness to their game. Yeah. It was always like, well, you take your charisma and you add your endurance and then you divide by strength and you add you're like, and that's how sexy you are. Why did you do that? Why, why, why would anyone do that? Can't need I just know? say my guy is sexy? Or not sexy? Yeah. It's so, it, I, I used to have a DM who did the comeliness stat thing, and it was just another 3d6 you also rolled, and all he did was, uh, he only cared about it if you were playing a lady character. Well, of course. Yeah, and then all it was was it affected how annoying shopkeepers were. Good. That was literally it. It was just like, did you roll a high, a high comeliness score? The shopkeeper follows you around the shop! Ugh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, at least then you're you're getting that little peek into the life of a lady. Yeah, great. <laughs> so, it's just what I needed. That that that's that's how I became a feminist. Yeah. Was I rolled a high comeliness score once because a, n- a nerd showed me what he thinks yeah. people will do to someone that is pretty. Ladies, a nerd was annoying to me once when I was 13. I think I'm as much of a feminist as any I'm, of you. I'm pretty sure I yeah. understand the struggle. Yeah, I think, I think it's safe to say that we've solved feminism right here on the show just now. <laughs> all right, mission accomplished. Let's yeah. hang that banner. Let's all go home. <laughs> Hopefully there's a sandwich waiting for me. <laughs> 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 Ladies. Uh, sexism. Yeah, sorry. Right. Uh, yeah. But instead of the wisdom you have will, and it's, gets described as being sort of the same strength of your your willpower your wisdom whatever but in this it's actually useless for everything unless you get ridiculously high points in it but there are four derived stats and all of them use will so it's a stat that does nothing for you by itself which means you'd normally look at it and go well this is garbage why would I put points into it but every derived stat uses it yep great Now, the derived stats are your humanity, which, like, this book uses humanity and humanists and so on a lot, which is weird for a game that's supposed to be about an equal amount of various types of alien races hanging on a planet. And let's make a note of this. Even though there are elves and dwarves that are basically just tall and short humans with that have been from high-grav and low-grav planets, they're not humans that got there first and have been living there for millennia or anything like that. No, these are actual aliens. Yeah, elves are aliens. They're not just tall, low-grav humans. So, it's weird that that you have to have a humanity stat to measure, and that's the thing that always bothers oh, me. It's super anthropocentric. Yeah, exactly. It's anthropocentric, and it's annoying. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be there. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Stupid humans. Yeah. Heliocentrism is the worst.
1: <laughs> but it, uh. it's just,
0: it, it, it comes up in a lot of things. It comes up in Star Trek. That's like the worst part about Star Trek for me, is whenever Kirk's like, these aliens are so noble, they're almost human. <laughs> oh, fuck you, man. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> Maybe you're almost like them. Yeah, huh? you ever think of that, Yeah, dick? Yeah, Kirk, you asshole. Right. Okay, so, so humanity is the average of your will and constitution. And then you use that to determine your LFP, which is the amount of cybernetics that you can have, and also the total amount of magic that you can have. Yeah, so your, your LFP is your life... Focus fucking point, points. Life focus points or something like that. And it's... it's how much life energy you have. Mm-hmm. So you use that to either cast spells, so it's like your mana. Mm-hmm. Or, if you have cybernetic enhancements, it's how much life energy you have that you can trade away for cybernetics. Correct. And uh, the LFP is ten times your humanity. Eh. Or five times your humanity if you're a cat guy or a bear guy. Because you're not as human. Oh, yeah, I mean, theoretically it's because it's a balance and it's because those two have a bunch of stat bonuses. Oh yeah, you're ridiculously stat-heavy if you get one of the animal guys. Right. But uh instead, it's just because you're not human. It's further from human, so you get less points and you can't be as cybernetic or as magic But that's okay, because you can just put on an exosuit and blast away with cool guns. Yeah, the coolest guns. The best guns. Captain Beef Dip does not settle for crappy guns. <laughs> uh... He wants to see your guns, by the way. Yeah, show me your guns. Yeah, Show me your moves. Right, that's him right there. Right before he gets set to knock you off a jousting thing with one of those giant Q-tips. Yeah, he just goes, show me your moves. Judge your enemies by their will to survive. (laughs) And then after that, we're going to go to a foam party. (laughs) 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 I'm (laughs) Captain (laughs) (laughs) Beefdip. Okay, Uh. Uh, all right. Oh, by the way, I wanted to talk briefly about the picture of the human, the the generic stock human. Oh, generic stock human? Yeah. What yeah. about him? Uh, he has a head. He sort of does. That's about ten percent of the size that a human head should be. <laughs> like it's like they drew a normal GI Joe guy body with a big old bonch. I mean, look at that bonch. Yeah. No, he is. He's wide. He's wide, and he's packing what appears to be a sharpened loaf of sourdough bread <laughs> I- instead of instead of uh you know junk. Because again, this book's pretty uh pretty Tom's of Planet Finland. <laughs> But, it's like they forgot to deal with that when they got up to the head, they just put on a head from somewhere else, cause it's way too small. Yeah. Like his shoulders are way bigger than his head. It's, it's, it's amusing. Which let me say, I will at least give them one thing. Uh, credit where it's due, at least the human society isn't just glossed over as humans are in space and they're humans. Anyway, let's get to the aliens. Humans are the most adaptable! No, it's just, what? What distinguishes humans if you have to give a blurb like, I'm an alien reading about humans. Oh, they're a corporate uh, society. They worry about uh, capitalism and they're all about getting that dollar. And governments have been taken over by corporations mm-hmm. and that's what their society is all about. So, so in the same way that, like, elves are all about living in nature and casting spells and dwarves are all about tinkering and making things... Humans are all about fucking you over and taking your money. Yeah, it's nice that they basically gave humans a trait beyond just being the most adaptable and the most humany. Yeah, don't just make us Mario. Give us something. That's pretty... So it's cool they did that. Of course, what they gave them is, these guys are the Ferengi. Yeah. Which, that's fine. We basically are anyway. Yeah, why not? That's pretty great. <laughs> okay, so... And then there are two more derived stats to go through real quick. There are They are awareness, which is what you roll for, like, initiative yeah. checks and stuff. And it's the average of your int and your will... Yerp. And then there's speed, which is the average of con and agility. So that's the only one that doesn't doesn't get informed by will. Now here's something that drive me drives me nuts about this game in general. Arr. The, yar. It's it driving me nuts. That's why I've got this steering wheel down me trousers. Ha ha. I'm a joke from the internet. Ha ha ha. The internet. Someone shared this to me in an email not long ago. Forward, forward, forward. (laughs) Thought you'd find this funny. (laughs) (laughs) Remember those email chains of jokes? Oh my god. I never was on that because my grandparents never bothered to figure out computers. So I didn't get letters about how Obama is actually a communist. Or like letters of look at this funny cat and then... It's a picture with seventeen pages of forward text. <laughs> I, uh, I I miss those days. I'm I'm sad that we've moved on to where everything is now a pithy colored rectangle with a bunch of artifacting problems on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you don't need to send it. You just post it on Facebook. Just, just retweet it on Facebook. Broccoli cures breast cancer. What the scientists don't want you to know. All good. <laughs> if you're if you won't stand behind our troops, stand in front of them. I have a weird idea that our troops should shoot you. Uh, I'm on Facebook. (laughs) Welcome to Facebook. (laughs) Right. Well, anyway, the thing that drives me nuts is that the attribute modifier table in this thing is different for every attribute. Oh, yeah. Like, dramatically. They didn't hit the... Because it's uh, pre-Third Ed, we don't have that very streamlined, like, okay, you hit this breakpoint, everything's a plus one, then everything's a plus two. It's just like... Alright, I have a 14 in something. What does that mean? Well, you'll have to check the individual stat. You'll have to look up this giant chart that indicates that you have a 14 appearance, you have a plus one. But if you have a 14 con, you have a plus two. And if you have a 14 will, you get nothing, sir. Good day. And my favorite, if you have a 14 intellect, you have plus point two zero. Because every time you use intellect for anything, it's to determine the number of skill points you have. And you modify it by multiplying that by the, the, uh, adi- by the value that your intellect generates. Yeah. So you get 0.2% or 0.2 times whatever your thing is, uh, is, is, and then you add that onto the base. Yeah, it's it's bad math. They should have said multiply it by 1.2, but, but, in, but, it, but instead they say divide it by 5 and then add the the uh, resulting amount to your uh, stat, unless you had some other number, because you can also get a plus 0.60 and so on. Yeah. Which, you know, that's a little uh, don't look back, terror is never far behind eat. Well, that's fine. Yeah. Whatever, <laughs> if someone wants to make me do math, which oh my god, they want me to do math. They put, like, little equations for everything. Yeah. Everywhere. They sure do. Every time it's like, how does a skill work? And it's like, weapon skill plus mod plus 1d20 equals target number plus mod plus. They always end with a plus for some reason. Like, the last thing is a plus. It's weird because it's not an equation. It's telling you what you would need to roll. So it's like, oh, you need to have your skill plus mod plus a d20... And that's what you roll to try and hit something, but it says equals target number plus, and you're like what? what you have to get them to line up to get a success that's yeah, what it, it has to equal this, yeah, if it does not equal, then the equation is not finished and <laughs> but oh. oh, that's too bad. My favorite one of all those is the one for initiative calculation because it's agility plus agility mod plus a d twenty plus skill plus something or other which means that you have to take your agility stat, which is just a regular stat, and then add it to the mod that the agility stat generates. Like, imagine if that was a 4th edition D&D thing, and it was like, okay, this does strength plus strength mod damage. Huh. Oh, good. So, that that was a weird one, but it, it's, it's just one of the ones that's in there. Uh, okay, power sources and so on for this game. This game has no classes. Nope, everything is skill-based. You spend your skill points to get stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and that stuff is various skills and magic itself is just a skill. Right. So if you want a bunch of skills you're going or a lot of bunch of magic you're going to end up being a little less skillful than a skill monkey character. Yeah. And uh it's it's interesting because not only is magic a skill just baseline the ability to cast spells, every spell individually is its own skill. So if I I can't just say oh I put, you know, 10 points into pyromancy, and now all of my fire spells are good. No, if I want to be a pyromancer, I gotta go, alright. So I've got 10 points in create fire, I have 10 points in manipulate fire, I have 10 points in fireball, and so on and so on. Right. And then, uh, so basically there are spells in a bunch of different schools, and there are things like air, fire, earth, necromancy, light. Uh, yeah, so you shadow. get all the elemental stuff, and then a few of the little niche ones. Right. And uh it's a little confusing cuz like for example the air, the first air spell is odor and then it says none a one turn 10 lfp okay lfp is in this case is being used as the uh, the mana cost and yeah. except that this game is really big on letting you make your spells cheaper by being better at casting spells yeah so the more points you put into a skill or spell the better you are at doing it so if i have just a couple points in a spell then I'm not that great at casting it, and it's fairly expensive. But if I really dedicate, and I've got like 25 points into a spell, then it's super cheap, I cast it super easily, it lasts longer, mm-hmm. uh, it has a better range, and so on and so on, so you just get all of these bonuses if you put more points into one thing. Right. Now, odor, for example, uh, this spell produces any odor known to the caster. You know, uh Captain Beef Dip knows a lot of odors. <laughs> I I don't. No, I'm, he knows a lot of otters. Oh, you're right. Does, oh, oh. oh, my! You yeah. know a lot about gay culture. Yeah, look at, you. Yeah, look at that. I'm learning. <laughs> that's wonderful. He also knows a lot of otters, though. I also, mean, let's, yes. let's be let's be fair. Let's let's beef dim. If you've never been in a bear club, that's uh, huh? it kind of smells like a gym. In a gym. Yeah, yeah. It's it smells like Jim. You, yeah, you know that smelly that, guy. That, you know that, that guy. You know Jim. <laughs> It's uh, man. Anyway, okay. uh Beyond spells being a source of power, this book's got a lot of cybernetics, except it doesn't call them that. God damn it! I hate it so much. Oh, why don't you say what it is? Well, hey. let's say I wanted to join a cybernetics unit of some kind. Like I wanted to get together with a bunch of fellas and do some cybernetics with them. You know, it's just just you know, me and some guys getting together, putting the- our cybernetics. Nothing, nothing gay. Just yeah. you know, some guys in enjoying cybernetics together. Yeah, yeah, in the woods to to charge your cybernetics energy crystals. Yeah, yeah. What would you call that? What would, what would that be? Why that would be the Cybe Squad. Oh, the Cybe Squad. That's Cybe Squad. Okay, so so it's probably supposed to be Cybe Squad. Let's no, it's Cybe. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. It is C Y B E. It's Cybe. Cybe. So you have to join the Cybe Squad. Okay, this happens a couple times throughout the book. They knock one letter off or add an extra letter to try and. Get yeah, you we're that, futuristic now, and they also have a couple of things where they obviously borrow from Shadowrun. So, huh. for example, huh. I like the mono blade sword that you can get in this. Because perhaps you're familiar with Shadowrun, or when Shadowrun borrowed it from, I think, one of the uh, William Gibson novels. Yeah. The concept of a monofilament weapon, which is something that's one molecule thick, so it's very, very, very sharp. Yeah, when you have that monomolecular blade. Monomolecular, or monofilament blade. However, the, this is just a mono blade. Oh, it's a sword with one blade. Oh my god. <laughs> the technology of the future. <laughs> It's like a knife with one blade, guys. Oh my god, that means the other side of this sword is dull. Congratulations, <laughs> that's what you've done. That's what a lot of swords are. That's what a katana is, and that's what nerds are always faffing on about. <laughs> faffing about about their kitanas. No one ever sharpens the other side of a katana. You just it, it's. Oh, but what if they did, though? Oh, what dude. If, what if you were like, Iaijutsu, and you like went and killed a guy, and then you just like you brought the sword back and killed another guy? What if your sword was one handle with two swords coming out. What if my eye glowed and I wore a lot of pouches but you never saw my feet. Okay, so now you're describing Rob Liefeld famed and noted uh, Marvel artist I'm describing Rob Liefeld who is known to wear a lot of pouches and have a glowing eye. I kind of hope he does (laughs) I'd love if if his drawing was from life and not just from not being good at making eyes line up. Oh my god, that would be amazing. If you like saw the Liefeld family portrait and everyone was actually made the way he draws Oh yeah, there's a cloud over all their feet because they live in a cloudy, foggy country. They live in the lowlands. This is my mom. And like, oh my god, her back is all twisted around and her boobs are bigger than her head. She's wearing pouches over her thighs, which the pouch is bigger than Batman's utility belt because her thighs are the size of manhole covers. However, Everyone is apparently standing on tiptoes, even though you can't see their feet, so you can't confirm it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anyway, man. the reason that we're making fun of Liefeld right now is because this book has probably about five artists in it. One of them gave us the wonderful reboot-style CGI images, and he did that again in a non-color section where he just drew a bunch of big bubbly guns. Yay, bubble guns. Like, literally, the section in this book about guns looks almost exactly like the test work for the Super Soaker design. Huh, huh. Like, everything's made out of big, obvious ovals and has bubbles all over it. Yes. The, the old-school 3D imaging software did not really let you get hard edges as well as they probably would have yeah because everything just looks like i made this out of a balloon animal yeah like well, look at this it's thing. terrible look at this laser rifle this thing probably says cx 2000 by super soaker on the side of it oh 100 this shit is nerfed to the extreme oh yeah it's it's crazy it's weird because every time so that's to one of the artists he draws us this 3d modeling stuff there's another one who actually drew the races, and that guy likes to draw the races, so whenever you see a bear or a cat, man, that's him. And his stuff is competent, it looks kind of like uh, Riff's art, like uh, okay Riff's art. Yeah. Then you got a guy who only draws Rob Liefeld comic book women. Yep. And they, no matter what they're doing, are probably at least half naked. Surrounded by a crackling nimbus of lightning. Uh, and standing either with their feet obscured or on point. Yeah. And uh generally, like, uh, they're always described... It's funny because whoever wrote the book has to describe these art pieces he gets of them, and he's like, uh, okay, this one is Ice. She's a bounty hunter wizard who uses ice spells, but is super badass even though she's a wizard. And then you get this picture, and it's like just some random toss-off background character from a copy of a 95 X-Force. Huh. Huh. And what's worse is that there's legitimately characters in this that look like Forearm. Oh yeah, no, that's actually probably... The biggest level, uh, cybernetic enhancement you can get is two extra arms. Yeah, and it's called, qual- it's called like Quandex or something or Quardex. Whatever. It, so you get all your standard cybernetic enhancement stuff. It's like, okay, you can get, uh, replacement. So it's just like your arm. It's a regular arm, but now it's a cybernetic arm or a regular replacement eye. And then you can get things like, I've got telescopic vision or, I've got a little hole in my arm that has a gun, or whatever the hell it is. All of them subtract some of your essential humanity, and it's a random amount. So, for example, if you have gills, then you lose 5d6 plus 5 of your essential humanity. Which is... okay, sure, but if you get to a certain point of humanity loss, you get, like... Cybe crazy. You you risk becoming what they call a cyborg, which you know you're a cyborg the moment you put a piece of metal in you that's permanent. Yeah, that's that's a cyborg is a is a partially robotic human. But uh but in, no, in this it's a, it's a dangerous thing. If, if you go cyborg, you've ditched your humanity, and all you care about is being in the cybe squad. <laughs> Once you go cybe, you never go nybe. <laughs> yes. You never go, nahi Bill Nahe. Bill Nahe would never take you back. <laughs> who who would have you now? N- not known character actor Bill Nahe. That's for sure. Yeah. No. Definitely not. Yeah. He hates that. There's one thing I've learned about Bill Nahe in his many appearances. Yeah. Every time he's on like Letterman, he's like, you know what I hate? Cyborgs. That even works into his characters when he played uh when he played Davy Jones. Yeah. And he's- walking around on deck, and he's like, oh, I hate cyborgs. I'm I'm a huge fan of finding me lost key, but I can't abide robotmen. Also, apparently, children are after me lucky charms. <laughs> what was he supposed to be? He's supposed to be, like, Welsh or something, I think. I don't did, know. I would say he was Welsh, but I never once heard him calling you in Boyo. So, was, so you know, it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh... Anyway, you lose a random amount of your your essential cybernetic or your your life points if you become more and more cybernetic. And the reason it's random is because there's this risk of becoming a monster, like a cybernetic don't care about humans at all and as soon as it happens to you, you get put down, monster. The uh it's got to be random or else everyone would just build up to their exact level. Oh, of, yeah, you of, just go, "All right, well, I've got like one point left. I didn't go overboard, and now I'm fine. Everything's great." But it is kind of amusing, because there are a whole bunch of completely inessential things that strip away your essential humanity and your ability to cast spells. Well, the weird thing is, it also works with any of the stuff that's just replacement. So any of the ones that's like, oh, what is this? Oh, I lost my arm, I have a new arm. It doesn't have, like, claws that shoot out. It doesn't have a laser finger. It's just an arm. Right. You're like, okay, great. And it lets me still feel things, like, as if I was human, and so on. Okay, great. And then if you lose a leg and an eye or whatever, you're in some explosion and you get all of that replaced, and you just happen to roll really high randomly, you're like, I'm a regular normal guy that happens to have cybernetic limbs, but BROARG! Things like you're you can automatically change your hair color Oh, yeah, that's a that's a great one. They also have that for eye color. And tattoos, and every one of them strips away a piece of your essential humanity. You could go crazy and become a cyborg because you thought it'd be neat to have changing tattoos. Well, that's... It's true, because anyone who dyes their hair or has tattoos has lost a part of their essential humanity. That's why they're not allowed to work at SeaWorld. I think everyone knows that. Yeah, I mean, I remember back in my day, when I was a kid, we believed in American values. That's correct. We We believed in an America that was pure and had some integrity. You didn't have tattoos. You believed that skin should be pure and unblemished and white. And facial hair began with a mustache and ended with the better mustache. <laughs> None of this crazy beard nonsense. And yeah. Sideburns for days. I just can't abide it. You know what costs the most LFP is abortions. You, <laughs> Am I right? You get an abortion and it's like 10D10 10 10 plus 10. That That strips your humanity away. Yeah. Also being a woman. Yeah, that's the worst. You start with less to begin with. All right. Okay. Okay, that's enough of that segue of weird... <laughs> okay, now here's a funny thing for me. There's this whole section on cybernetics and joining the Cybe squad and what have you, and then there's a section right before it about how to build exosuits, which are basically robot power suits, and damned if it isn't the exact same shit as cybernetics, except it doesn't make you go crazy. Oh yeah, well, they always have this bit in the uh, tech-centric games, no matter what it is, that's sci-fi, where they go, okay, yeah, you can do all of this crazy crap that's probably either better than magic or better than cybernetics, but the limitation is you have to be in a suit or you're piloting a ship or you're doing whatever, and you go, yeah, but if I'm a guy who does that, like, if, as a DM, you go, all right, well, you get uh, jumped by guys and you can't get to your thing. You're like, oh, well, now you're just being a dick. Right. It, it's essentially the same as being like, Alright, well, you cast all your spells and you have no more fucking LFP. Now you get jumped. Okay, great. Yeah, it, it's one of those dare the DM not to be a dick things. Absolutely is. And it's, it's, it's stupid. But, so in this game, you can build these exosuits that, according to the 3D image modeling in the back, kinda look like mid-sized sedans with feet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the, uh, what is it, the ED-209? Yeah, they kind of look like ED-209s. Like ED-209s, but with four doors and a spacious trunk availability, because you don't need to keep a criminal's brain in them. <laughs> oh, you don't have to. You could. You could fit up to 50 cubic feet of criminal's brains in there. Also, drive it around on gray rocks or at the beach. It's up to you, really. It's your life. Live it your way. Yeah, judge your enemies by their will to survive <laughs> with Volkswagen. Ha <laughs> Oh, was that was that a Nazi joke? I don't know <laughs> I didn't think about that until you said so. <laughs> Sweet, but now I'm willing to take that credit. Sure, why not? Okay, great. Uh, also I I do have to mention uh, this includes one of my big pet peeves. Whereas Jeff always hates the, uh, the merit and flaw systems and things. There's none of those in here. Nope, but it has my big pet peeve, which is a giant goddamn fuck-off useless skill list. Oh, yeah, this book's got about, like, 120-ish skills. Oh, yeah. And you can't, of course, just have, like, a melee thing. You have to get, like, axe and flail and knife and martial arts has then six sub-martial arts you can be into. This is one of my favorite things about this book, is that every time there's something, there's six of it, because there's five races. So it has two humans, and then the ones from other people. So like languages, you can speak Earth, New Earth, or Elf, Dwarf, Cat Guy, Bear Guy. Martial arts, you can learn human martial arts, a specific human martial art, I think it's uh tae- Taekwondo, and then uh, Bear Martial Arts, Cat Martial Arts, Elf Martial Arts, and Dwarf Martial Arts. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's it's just annoying because... It's got the Palladium problem, where it's got 200 skills and the vast majority of them are pointless. Like, there's not going to come up a point in your game where you're going to need your genetic skill. No, they they have skills for things that you could just go, you have a science skill, I don't care, let's hand wave it. Yeah. But there's, you know, instead 15 different specific sciences you can learn. And yes, I know that that would be the way it would work in real life. But if I'm playing a game about a edge-of-the-galaxy frontier bounty hunter who's a badass in the sidey squad... There's a lot of badassery in this book. That's the basic concept behind it. Yeah, no, everything is definitely a badass, but I don't need to know what my botany skill is. Like, that's not a thing I need. I'm not going to be wandering around. And there's a survival skill. It's not even like, oh, I used my botany to know if I should eat these berries on this weird planet. Because you could just use survival and do that anyway. It's fucking terrible, and I hate when games do this. Also, a lot of the skills, the only thing about them is they they give you a very brief uh, description of what they do. So they'll be like, genetics, this is the ability to do genetic manipulation. And then it's got a list of penalties listed. Like, oh, you're bad at genetics if it's not your species. Or if it's an alien species. And then that comes up a lot, because it's like... Survival. This is difficult on an alien planet. Okay, is Ravenstar an alien planet? I I I don't know. I don't know the rules for that. Yeah. uh, Am I am I supposed to be from here? Is that is that going to be a penalty or no? Maybe. I don't I I don't know. I don't know that rule. Yeah, and it's fucking. It has a skill for bartending in this. Eat my dick. This is terrible. Do not do that. So that's uh, and granted that's this book has. Here's what I thought. When I first looked at the cover of this book, I was like, oh, this is D&D plus 40K. And then I read it, and I realized what it actually is, is Rifts plus X-Force. <laughs> I mean, it is very, very mid-90s Marvel. There's no reason you need to know how good at botany you are, because your character is going to be jumping out of a helicopter and seeing if he can shout four catchphrases before he hits the ground. This is true. And because a uh, a turn... Is like two seconds seconds, yeah. And the fact that you can do whatever During a turn means yeah In the like ten seconds it takes you to fall down from somewhere You can spout five different catchphrases Which is nice but what you can't do is move and attack Oh, that's sad You can move or attack in any given turn Or you can concentrate enough to cast a spell Which means spells are cast fucking fast or you can aim. Now they they describe spells in this game as being like a ritual plus an expenditure of life points. Oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy. I just found a guy that I'm pretty sure is anthropomorphic meatloaf. Uh not the singer, just the actual loaf of ground beef. Also, if you wouldn't mind, uh I'm sorry, I'm sorry we're going kind of visual here folks, but I I I found this picture as well. And again, it just looks like a Rob Liefeld drawn bad guy for one for one issue. Like he's just a big meaty guy. He look, you know, in the '90s, X-Men had powers that didn't make any sense. There was like, "What can you do?" Uh, I could teleport to locations where the month is different. I can I can uh, open up a vibrational channel to the dimensional energy vortex of shadow beings. Like this guy looks like his power is to swell until he is totally swole. Oh yeah, no, this guy does no cardio. He has not lost any of his gains. It is insane. Anyway, could you b- do me a favor and tell me what page that guy is on? Uh, he is on page 89. And it's uh, all like buzzsaw hands and shit. It's it's a cybernetics page. Yeah. That dude has no cybernetics. I He's- think I think it's because it also has the exo-boot and he is wearing the biggest dumbest boots you can have. Oh, you're right. Look at that. Look at his big stupid one-toe elephant feet. Yeah, it basically looks like he has Elephant feet that they then got a little jutty foot out from the You know the what he tip. looks like now that I'm looking at that? He looks like a reimagined, high-grit future version of Strong Sad. <laughs> I'm mad that I'm flying. Yeah, that's what you've got right there. <laughs> Great. Love it. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's the basic concept behind this book. It's grim and gritty, but the, the hard assets didn't quite get there for Not it. Not quite. All right, so uh, what else do we have that's in this book? The, the problem I, I really... I had when reading through this is that there just wasn't that much to talk about. It's a space heartbreaker and that's that's really what it is. I mean you have races, you have a couple of classes, you've got cybernetics some rudimentary magic and you've got uh, suits you can get into and that's that's really about it I mean yeah. and, and mostly after that you just kind of bust up drug deals and face kick each other yeah so there's uh, the the way you do anything in this system is you're trying to hit a target number. And unless otherwise specified, it's always 20. You're trying to roll a 20 on a 20-sided die. Mm -hmm. And then you have to add a bunch of stats to it to try and hit it. So you will usually add in whatever skill you've got, Mm -hmm. uh, any mod that you have if you've got one from a stat. Yeah. Uh, And then it just sort of depends on what else you're doing. You might have situational bonuses or penalties, whatever. But that's basically it, which makes the beginning of the game... You almost have to specialize real heavily in whatever you're going to do. Yeah. Because trying to roll a 20, if you're like, Oh, I dabbled and I've got like four points in whatever skill. You're like, great. You're never going to do this. Like, because the target number is always 20. 20 yeah. It, it can be, it ranges from 10 to 50, where 10 is super easy and 50 is nearly impossible. It says, let's be clear. It is actually impossible. Oh, yeah like for so the maximum you can get your uh, your stat to or, or your yeah here's why it's nearly impossible cuz the maximum you can get a skill to is 25 and the maximum stat can be is 20 which means you can get about up to about plus 28 so you roll a d20 you can get up to about a 48 yeah it's it's real sad uh i don't know why they decided to go that high i, I don't know but they i mean they say in the beginning of the book basically just always make it 20 unless you have a reason not to yeah and even then maybe you'd go down to like Ten or up to thirty, but right. if you went above thirty, you're just saying to your players, "No, no, you're not doing this." Right. So it's it's weird, but uh, it, it's interesting because that's also the difficulty to hit somebody and the difficulty to block somebody trying to hit you. Uh, you. It's modified by dodge. If you have a high agility enough to get an agility modifier, then that is added to the difficulty to hit you. That's what dodge does. So, like, if you have a seventeen agility, which gives you a dodge of two, because your mod, mod yeah. is two then you're, the difficulty for someone to hit you is they are trying to beat a 22 on a die. Yep. Meanwhile, you can also try to block things. That's an active defense. You can choose to make a passive and an active defense by saying, all right, I'll try and block this. I will roll against a difficulty of 20 to block. Yeah. The uh, the weird thing is you also get uh, the crits and fumbles. So rolling a 20 or rolling a 1 gives you a crit or a fumble. And then there's a chart for what happens... If you do a crit or a fumble, oh yeah, there's a big old crits and fumbles chart. I thought that was, I thought that was some good reading. Yeah, so if if I'm making an attack and I crit, and then I roll again to see what happens, if I roll a one through four, it does nothing. So one through four on a crit, nothing happens. Normal damage, and it goes up to things like, Oh, you got him in the leg. He is at half movement. Okay, great. Or you punched him in the larynx he loses speech make a save roll or become unconscious wow all right all the way up to 20 struck. make save roll or die yeah and this is one of those problems where this is something that is going to affect the players worse than it's ever going to affect the monsters the longer you play your character the more likely you are to eventually roll that one and have to do a fumble chart and see what horrible thing you do to yourself or to someone standing near you where monsters... which, which includes a critical hit on a friend, but yeah. you then go to the critical hit chart, and you might just, again, roll a make, save, roll, or die, which is 17 through 20 on the crit table. So you might just go, all right, I rolled a 1, and then a 20, and then a 16, and now you die. There's a universal problem with letting uh, monsters interact with the crit and fumble system along with players, which is that they, no- they only need to get lucky once, where players need to basically stay median lucky all the way through the life of that character. Mm-hmm. So that's that's always something you run into when you see these old crit and fumble charts. I, I did think it was kind of fun though. This book's also got charts for rolling how tall and fat you are. It's one of my favorite things in this book is how much do you weigh, modified by plus ten pounds if you're a dwarf, plus thirty pounds if you're a cat, and that's it. Ah, they did they, they forgot to put in the weight modification for playing as an eight foot bear man. I guess they're just all willowy. They're just like giant Iggy Pops. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you go to touch them and you realize it's all fur. They're not actually huge. <laughs> Just a pair of eyes and some sneakers. <laughs> yeah, that that's how Bugs Bunny takes care of things in Ravenstar. Uh, and then you get the the martial arts is wonderful in this because it's not just oh you're able to do an unarmed strike. Oh goodness no, you have a whole bunch of like arm locks and throws and hadoukins and shit that you can do if you have martial arts. And it all depends on the skill level you've got. And which martial art you're in. Yeah. At first, when I started reading through the crazy huge martial arts section, I thought it was going to be one of those put two cards on the table and flip them over and reveal them type things. But really, it's more like pick the one strike that does sixty-six damage and ignore all the ones that do 1d6 plus 2. Well, yeah, because it's like, oh, you can do a strike. Well, what do the different strikes do? Well, you can do a spin punch that's a d6, a kanshu, which is 2d6, a power strike for 2d6 plus 2, or... A Dragon Fist for 3d6, and any armor is half of its damage resistance. You're like, well, considering none of these take an extra action to do, I guess I'll just show Ryukin forever. Forward, down, down, forward, punch, over and over and over again. It's a a bit of an old-school problem. Palladium made that exact same mistake. Oh yeah, as soon as you go, well, you could punch a guy for a d4, or kick him for a d6... These are both treated the exact same way in the system. You're like, well, I, I guess I'll always be kicking. Yeah, I'll just be kick kicker, the kicking kicker. Ah, kick kickington. <laughs> uh, yes, kick kickington, the earl of cheese dudes. <laughs> oh, no, wait, or was that doodly cheesington or something? I don't know, who cares? All right, moving right back to this. Uh... Yeah, and I so guess. you, uh, you get, uh, in addition to everything else, you've got in your combat, you have damage reduction. Oh yeah, so you've it's got your NBA. You've got your NBA, and uh, depending on how good the NBA is, you will take less damage, and that is your natural body armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's derived from your stats. So depending on how uh, much con you've got, you'll get more nba something like that and it can only drop to a minimum of one so you always take one damage the life track in this game is shenanigans the life track is white wolf got expanded upon but it's way more punishing it's like white wolf it's like a bar chart where one where the uh the xy axis is white wolf and the ab axis axis is shadow run because it's got the shadow run uh severe to critical damage modifier chart and then it's also got the white wolf Fill in boxes based on the number, like, or or on your penalty chart thing. It's called your LFP, and it literally looks like a battery testing guide or something. (laughs) It looks, and, and so basically, like, when you're lightly wounded, you have an L4 type wound, and then if you get another wound in there, it's an L5. Then you go to a serious wound, which is an S1, and if you have an S1, then you're a minus two to hit. And anytime you take any penalty, so there's like 12 different, uh, tracks in here, and each track has like six different uh damage boxes yeah so once you fill that in as soon as you get through the first six so if you are anything but uninjured the second you drop down to injured at all you have to start making saves to Steve if, see if you stay conscious yeah and, oh as soon as you hit f and f which is fatal type wounds is about three quarters of the box and the f ones you have to see if you maintain consciousness and see if you die right so you have to do both of them right so basically, if anyone hits you with anything, you start struggling to remain conscious for most of the rest of the fight. Yeah, and it's weird because it's not, oh, I've taken some damage, and then once I get past that, then I start seeing if I'm going to pass out. It's either I'm perfectly okay, or I pass out. And you're like, what? You're just fine, fine. And then someone goes, hey, hey, dink. And then you're like, ah, and yeah. you just fall over. There you go. That's that's what, I don't know, it, It's it's very 90s. There's some good things about this. It's simple-ish. I mean, I want to say it's simple because there's a core mechanic to it, but the core mechanic seems to kind of be squidgly, and it keeps changing from thing to thing. Well, it's... I mean, you've got... Only D20s and D6s are the only things you use in the game. Yeah. So they have, in the magic system, all your damaging spells have the same progression of damage, so they only go up to 3D6. Right. So you never have the... Uh, like, this one is better at damage than this one. It's just sort of, what flavor do you want? Which is good, yeah. It has some some decent streamlining to the old D&D mentality of things. Yeah, it has some good ideas. It just still suffers from being an early 90s uh, game, which means it's got a bunch of crap that does not need to be in there. A ton of charts that don't make any sense co- uh, connected to other charts, and... And all the stats do different things instead of doing one simple thing. It looks like they had some ideas that would later go on to become 3rd edition D&D. Yeah, I mean, you can see in games like this of the time that they knew that you needed to do some streamlining. Something needed to change. Mm -hmm. They just hadn't quite worked the formula out yet. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, you want to get to your favorite and least favorite? Yeah, sure. All, All right. right, let's get it on with it. John, what would you say is your favorite thing about Ravenstar? Uh, favorite thing about Ravenstar, we didn't talk about it much, but I actually like the setting. The setting is fine. It's, uh, I mean, it's almost like Firefly esque. You've got this Western Frontiers type thing that. There's a lot of gangster stuff mixed into it. Well, a lot of like Chicago gangster stuff. Well, you are in New Chicago. Right. But the whole thing is very much about you are trying to live a hardscrabble life out on the frontier. It adds the tech and magic in there. It's It's got that almost kitchen sink type thing that Rifts does, but it doesn't go as crazy with it, which is really one of the things holding it back, in my opinion, is it didn't go crazy enough. Not quite crazy enough. That's absolutely right. But I do... The setting is fine. Mm-hmm. Like... You're out on the rim of the galaxy. You've got to rely on your wits and your gun to get by. And I'm like, okay, your setting is fine. Ravenstar as a world is fine. I'm I o- don't have a problem I'm with okay it. with it. I'm even okay with its funny races. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Okay, so your favorite thing in the book. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say my favorite thing in the book is the variety of cybernetic upgrades you can purchase. I thought they were kind of fun and interesting. You can build yourself with four arms, which a lot of the cap- the models in the book do. Uh, you can get like, uh, axes that can come out of you and buzz saws and that's fun. It's, I've always been a fan of the fun cybernetic list building. Uh, I, I'm not especially, uh, enamored of the whole, you, you will lose your humanity on a random chance, but I like the idea of building a cool cybernetic guy with gills and ever-shifting tattoos and, and four huge arms and big weird feet. Yeah, I think if you got rid of the whole, you cyber freak out and just become a killer if you accidentally roll too high. You just made it a maximum. Like, you're done cybernetting netting, netting at this point. Yeah, it's, okay, you've run out of points. Yeah. Uh If you do anything more, then you'll go crazy. Right. Like, that, at that point, sure. That would be fine. As it stands, you spend every day making a death save to make sure you don't go insane and kill your friends. But otherwise, I'm, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. Sure, why not? What would you say is your least favorite thing about Raven Star? Uh... The the worst thing in this book to me, uh, I already mentioned it, the skills, I hate anything that has pointless levels of skills. Uh, skills that needlessly go into subcategories of skills that you would then have to spend points within subcategories for things. Unless you are giving me enough points that I could do something with that system, it ends up being... Uh, especially in here, where because of the target numbers, you have to have specialized really heavily in mm-hmm. a skill. I, I'm i not going to know anything about anything except for the, like, four skills that I picked. Yeah. And if I'm a mage, then I don't know dick about anything. Like You just cast four spells. Yeah. I cast my spells. That's all I do. If anyone's like, hey, do you even know how to tie your shoes? You'd go, no. I do not know how to do anything. Right. You're like, I am, I, maybe maybe you picked, like, Drive. You've got the drive skill and spells. And then someone comes up to you and you're like, well, what do you do, mage? You're like, I'm a, I'm a good driver. Definitely good driver. I'm a good driver. <laughs> I can cast light spell. <laughs> I'll give it one thing about the skills I thought was actually pretty well done. And it's a little sidebar thing. If you have a skill and then you take a similar skill, like if you pilot air car, which is the thing. <laughs> air car and air bike are things in this. <laughs> if you pilot air car and you have a skill in air car of like 15 and you want to pick up air bike, It says, similar skills or skills in the same tree, if you would like to learn another one, you can start them at your current skill value of of your current skill, minus five. So instead of having to start at air bike all over, you can say, well, I'm already pretty good at air car, and now I'm all right at air bike. However, it doesn't tell you exactly what that means, which means it's always up to the GM whether he thinks, like... Well, is botany close enough to genetics, or do I need to do something else with that? Genetics I'm going to put down as one of the things in here that would have been my least favorite, because it says, genetics, you have a working knowledge of genetics. You're bad at it if it's an alien, but you know a lot about genetics and can do genetic testing and experimentation. And then it says, all genetic experimentation and testing is banned. Also, uh-huh. anyone who succeeds at genetic experimentation and testing will create someone who will turn into a gross mutant during their adolescence. Hooray! Why is this skill? Oh, here's a skill where you can make shitty monsters that don't do anything. Also, that's not how mutation works. I mean, I know that this book is just X Force on another planet, but real mutation is you're born shitty. You're not. You don't become. Sh- you don't become awesome when you're 13. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So your least favorite thing in the book, then? Uh, I'm going to go back to the well about how I don't like this book's treatment of humanity as a factor. yeah. There are five alien races in this book, or humans are one of them, so I guess there's four alien races in this book, and there's one chart for hair color. <laughs> Your bear is very likely to be blonde. Well, yeah, you're going to get a big blonde bear. Yeah, even even among Earth bears, that's not very common. And I'm not talking about bears. I'm talking about bears. Yeah, like Kodiaks. Yeah, like Kodiaks and polar bears. The polar bears aren't blonde. Their hair is see-through. <laughs> it, it drove me nuts that this book was like, yeah, you know, uh, dwarves and humans weigh the same, and... Uh, all the races have the same chance to to be left-handed, and all the races have the same chance to have, have uh, dirt-brown hair. It's like, why did you have five races from literally five alien planets if you were just going to treat them this Star Trek-y? Well, the problem is, it's... They In the descriptions, they want to give some differentiation, but then they're like, wait a minute, this is the 90s, we've got to have a chart for everything. Yeah, But then they just crapped out a chart. We only have room for one chart, so you can't have a a chart for what a corcha's hair color is. Yeah, we can't have like five different charts for hair color, that's going overboard. Right, so I'm going to say, I don't really like it when books are about transhumanism and aliens and so on, and then they keep using humanity as a stat. Yeah, that's it, kind of annoying. It's just annoying. It's not like it's breaking the game or anything. It's not like you couldn't change humanity in the book to like essential life or key or something like that and be done with it. It's just silly that it's that way at all. Would you recommend or would you play Raven Star? I I don't think I I would want to. It's essentially just a weird sci-fi game that doesn't bring anything unique to the table, is the biggest issue I have with it. It's not that the system is bad, it's that it's sort of generic enough that you wouldn't want to play this over something else. I could see, like, Ravenstar being a planet you go to in a different game. Yeah, there's stuff in here that might be worth stealing for a different game. Yeah, I think the idea of the setting, like I said, was good. It's just... The system itself is nothing I would care about. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So, so yeah, so my own answer is again is no. The system doesn't really wow me. It's very 90s. I've played enough 90s game games in my life. I don't need more. Uh, but there are some ideas in here that are that are original or inventive. Not many. This book is very pulled from a couple of very obvious sources. Oh yeah, no, there's there's nothing in here that's going to wow you. Yeah. So I I don't think it's a game that I would want to play. But there are a few things I might I might steal. I might. Set my next game in, in Reboot Universe, <laughs> where everyone is made out of bubbles and clearly oh, yeah. made in Poser from 1994. Totally. Yeah. Maybe with a Bryce 3D background if I'm feeling spendy. Mm. Yeah, but no dirt on anything, because I don't understand how texture maps work. I mean, <laughs> come on, guys. It's the 90s. <laughs> All right, so uh, there you go. That's That's the basics of Raven Star. Now let's do some cleanup stuff. First of all, we put out a brand new podcast a couple days ago, and I didn't really advertise it anywhere but Twitter. So, let's talk about it, and then we'll advertise it some more in the next couple of days. Yep, so we have started doing, you may have heard before, uh, we've done some uh, movie review things. We've decided, yeah, screw it, we're just going to actually do those now, as a regular-ish thing. Neither of us have jobs, what else are we going to do? Ha, <laughs> ha. Alright, so now we're also making Movie Mastery, which is our new podcast where we watch terrible movies entirely based on viewer recommendations. Yep, if you've got something that you want to force us to watch because you listen to us and you hate us just so much... All you can tell is that we're funnier when we're angry, and you're right, that's, that's <laughs> the right time to send us horrible movies. Uh, so far, we have watched Dead Heat, and that is available for your perusal on the website. Uh, we did not put it in the same RSS feed because we didn't want to bother people who for whatever crazy reason, aren't interested in movie review podcasts. Yeah, so if you are listening to this, and that is something you would like to listen to, uh, and you are subscribed to the System Mastery Podcast, then you'll need to subscribe to the Movie Mastery Podcast separately. It's free, though, so just stop by the website, and the RSS RSS feed is right there on the, on the main page. So yep. stop by and subscribe. We have a big list already, people have been sending them in, and here are the rules... Uh, you send us any movie you think we could watch. It, hopefully it's not currently in theaters, and we can get it somehow fairly cheaply. Uh, once once we've established that, we add it to a big list, and then we randomly select one, as far as you know. Yeah. It's probably random. Probably random. Yeah, it's actually random. We randomly select one, and then uh, we watch it that day. But the way we do it, because we like to break things down, is we watch the trailer first, and then discuss our findings. Yep discuss what we think will uh be included in the movie what we expect to get out of it and then we return to you with our findings yep and so we watched dead heat which was real something wasn't it It that that was certainly some piscopo that was the most piscopo i've ever seen certainly and he's not even in like a third of the movie there's a point where he just disappears yeah he's just like all right guys bye i thought he just went upstairs like in the beginning of happy days All right, so uh beyond that, we also have a whole new show that we're doing that's a bonus episode for folks who listen to regular System Mastery. Yeah, you can find our Patreon on our front page at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Or just search for System Mastery at Patreon. And if you are a uh, donor at all, even at a $1 level, mm-hmm. we have an entirely new set of bonus podcast features coming out. We've got... uh We've won so far. The way that they work is that we're going to make characters in the books that we review, just to kind of put our money where our mouths are. So that means that today, right after we finish talking about this, we're going to make Raven Star characters. Yeah, if you want to see Captain Beef Dip come to life. Yep, and whatever you end up making. Yeah, we'll and f- my guy. Your guy. Something. We'll figure out something for you. Captain Beefdip sang to me. <laughs> it sang the song of your people. He looked up to me from the page and said, Build me. And I will be yours, and who could resist that with his belt all unbuckled and flopping out there? I know right he is he's just ready to rumble. <laughs> I don't know if he wants to get dancing or get fighting It's a little of both. What's the difference right? Uh-huh. Captain, captain beef dip anyway, uh so each time we're gonna make the characters that we described during that the course of that episode, so you'll get to learn a little bit more about how the the uh the game engine works, and you'll get to hear us struggling to actually use these rules we generally just dump on, yep. So there you go. So that makes, what, like five podcasts we're making? Seven? Twenty-five different yeah. new podcasts every month? That's... We are incapable of leaving this microphone. No, we just, we just live here now. This is, this is what we are. Yep. This so, is my life now. Mouthpieces for, uh, for this horrible complex. And, as an additional thing, I'd like to send out a quick thank you to, uh, at Infocorn or Jeff, our, uh, big listener Jeff. Not me. This isn't me. This is a different Jeff. This is a different Big Jeff. Big Jeff. Big Jeff is number four so <laughs> that's stuck in my head because that's a Sesame street song uh called uh I think it's just called the number four and the last line of it is big Jeff is number four and, and I've always I've sang that since I was a little kid and anyway uh, we wanted to thank Jeff at infocorn on Twitter for being nice enough to send us I, I want to say just a ridiculous treasure trove of books here big old stack of shenanigans yeah uh, it's uh it, it's amazing we're, we're thanks so much for all of this it's a big gift we. We haven't seen a, 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 a donation of books come in in a while, but I know we have a few more coming. As always, if you'd like to send us books, you can do it through uh, just contacting me on email, and I'll hook you up with an uh, address to send these to. We just don't post it directly on the podcast because we are paranoid, weird little mouse people. Yes. Well, not mouse people. I am a cartoon hot dog. A cartoon hot dog, and I'm a 10-year-old girl, yes. as has been established <laughs> on multiple occasions. So again, uh, Jeff, you sent us, God, like, six books here, so... Uh, Thanks a bunch for this. This is awesome. We just wanted to send out a personal thank you. And uh, Otherwise, as always, if you want to find System Mastery, you can do that at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. You can find us on uh, Gmail at System Mastery, Facebook at System Mastery, or on iTunes or Stitcher, where, as always, we'd really appreciate if you gave us some rates and reviews to help boost our numbers. We also have our afterthought show, which will be out next week, where we answer questions from you, the listeners. So if you have questions, send them our way. We've already got some really good ones, but we can always use more. Yeah, and ones that have nothing to do with RPGs. Just oh. ask us dumb crap. Yeah, just ask us the stupidest questions you can think of. I don't even care if they make sense from the beginning of the sentence to the end of the sentence. Yeah, if you're just like, hey, I was camping recently, and I was wondering, when you're out in the woods, how far do you like to go to get a hot dog? That's perfect. That's a great question. I'd be thrilled to answer it. But not on a System Mastery episode. Only on an Afterthought. Yeah. Okay. We great. have standards. We have, we have spoken. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's been Ravenstar. We want to thank everybody for listening and tune in on the Patreon today for our character-building episode of uh, Ravenstar and for Afterthought next week. Thanks and have a lovely week.